I'm Mark Melvin, and I'm with Lisa Jackson, and this is Get Twisted. Today, we're going to be talking about some crazy deep stuff that's probably going to make you angry. But right now, Lisa, I'm just going to turn this over to you, and please let us know what we're going to be talking about this week. This week, we're talking about the most disturbing experiments the U.S. government performed on humans, part one because there's actually so many, they all couldn't be covered in just one episode. Mm. A lot of these we haven't even heard of before. Some of them you may have heard of, but didn't get into how deep it was or exactly what the premise behind it was. Um, my sources for this week are npr.org and thehistorycollection.com as well as in, I'm sorry, nbcnews.com. Mm-hmm. NBCnews.com describes some of these experiments as the attitude similar to Nazi experiments. Some of these studies mostly from the 1940s to the 1960s apparently were never covered by the news media. Others were, were reported at the time, but the focus was on the promise of enduring new cures while glossing over how test subjects were treated. Attitudes about medical research were different then. Infectious diseases killed many more people years ago and doctors worked urgently to invent and test cures. Many prominent researchers felt it was legitimate to experiment on people who did not have full rights in society. People like prisoners, mental patients, poor blacks. It was the attitude in some ways similar to that of Nazi doctors experimenting on Jews. That was definitely a sense that, excuse me, that we don't have today. That sacrifice for the nation was important, said Laura Stark, a Wesleyan University assistant professor of science and society, who is writing a book about past federal medical experiments. So we are going to start off with the mustard gas tests on the American military. It's actually defined, I mean, listed as the secret World War II chemical experiments tested on troops by race. In 1943, the U.S. Navy exposed its own sailors to mustard gas. Officially, the Navy was testing the effectiveness of new clothing and gas masks against the deadly gas that has been proven so terrifying in the First World War. The worst of the experiments occurred at the Naval Research Research Laboratory in Washington. 17 and 18-year-old boys were approached after eight weeks of boot camp and asked if they wanted to participate in an experiment that would help shorten the war. Only when the boys reached the research laboratory were they told the experiment involved mustard gas. The participants, almost all of whom suffered severe external and internal burns, were ignored by the Navy and in some cases threatened with the Espionage Act. In 1991, the reports were finally declassified and taken before Congress. The following is a recording from the morning edition by Caitlin Dickerson.
We have news this morning of a startling episode in U.S. history. It's a moment when the United States military experimented on its own troops with mustard gas. It happened during World War II. The U.S. was trying to prepare for any possible gas attacks by the Axis powers. And for many years now, the U.S. has acknowledged those experiments on unknowing Americans. What we have today are even more troubling details from an NPR News investigation. The World War II experiments exposed African-American, Japanese-American, and Puerto Rican troops to chemical weapons. And they sought to find racial differences that could be exploited on the battlefield. NPR's Caitlin Dickerson reports. Rollins Edwards grew up in the segregated South. He says, like a lot of black boys his age in Somerville, South Carolina, he was only allowed to go to school through the seventh grade. So when he was drafted into the U.S. Army at 21, it was a big opportunity. The year was 1944. I'm glad I served, and um, I, I appreciate, uh, I don't appreciate what they did, hell no, I don't, but everybody don't get a chance to serve their country. After basic training, Edwards was enrolled in a secret program to test the effects of mustard gas on humans. The testing was brutal. Some days, he says he was locked inside of a wooden gas chamber with about a dozen other black soldiers. A mixture of mustard gas and a similar agent called lewisite were piped inside. That's when everybody went crazy. This just felt like you were on fire, sure enough. And um, the guys started screaming and hollering and um, trying to break out. And then some of the guys fainted and finally opened the door and let us out. And the guys were just... <laughs> They were in bad shape because they, they just couldn't control themselves. Edward says he didn't have a choice. He had to participate. And if he told anyone about the experiments, his commanding officers said he'd go to prison. They said we were being tested to see what effect these gases would have on black skins. Now, that ain't the damnedest thing I ever heard. The U.S. military tested more than 60,000 World War II troops in secret experiments. These tests were formally declassified in 1993. Now, an NPR investigation has found new details about a set of these experiments. Documents show the military scientists thought people with darker skin might be more resistant to chemical weapons. And they tested that theory on Black and Puerto Rican soldiers. This was a time when military officials were worried that the German or Japanese armies would use mustard gas on Americans. Experts NPR spoke with say it appears the military hoped troops with darker skin would make ideal chemical soldiers. So if they were more resistant, they could be put on the front lines. According to family members, Japanese American subjects were told they were being tested as proxies for the Japanese enemy. Now, details of these experiments first surfaced in an academic journal article in 2008, but it received little attention. Until now, the military has never acknowledged these race-based tests. And for the first time, NPR tracked down some of the test subjects and their families. It may have been something I noticed hanging up there for a while, but I remember it was probably in an evening in the TV room. David Besho was a teenager when he decided to ask his dad about a commendation from the U.S. Army that was hanging on the family's living room wall. Because I noticed it was a little bit unusual saying that he volunteered to be exposed to chemical agents. The award was presented with a list of names. Besho's father appears on page 10, followed by a curious similarity. Tanamachi, Kawasaki, Higashi, Sasaki. Forty Japanese-American soldiers are named in all. I just took that occasion to say, hey, what is this about? 
And he just responded that, yeah, they were looking for Japanese Americans to make sure the chemical agents had the same effect on Japanese as they did on white people. I guess they were contemplating potentially having to use them against the Japanese. White Americans were used in these experiments. They served as control groups. Their reactions were used to establish what was, quote, normal and compared to the minority soldiers, like Juan Lopez Negron, who's Puerto Rican. He says he was used as a test subject in experiments known as the San Jose Project. There was a siren, and then you had to get under a tree to protect yourself, check your mask, and get ready. He says he and the other test subjects, all of them Puerto Rican, were sent out into the Panamanian jungle, and they were sprayed with mustard gas out of U.S. military planes flying overhead. We had uniforms on to protect ourselves, but the animals didn't. There were rabbits, and they all died. Military documents found by NPR show more than 100 experiments were done on San Jose Island. The location was chosen for its climate, similar to islands in the Pacific. Not all of those experiments focused on race, but the U.S. government does have a history of race-based experimentation. The most infamous were the Tuskegee syphilis experiments, where treatment was withheld from black sharecroppers so researchers could watch the disease. Dorothy Roberts is a professor of bioethics at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. When told about race-based experiments with mustard gas, she pointed to similarities between the Tuskegee subjects and the minority soldiers used in these tests. They were expendable, disposable, allegedly because of their biological difference, but it mirrors, in all of these cases, their social and political status in U.S. society at the time. Black, Puerto Rican, and Japanese-American soldiers were all confined to segregated units during World War II. They cooked, cleared trash, drove dump trucks, and many felt they had to prove themselves. I think a lot of our Japanese uh, boys had to. Susan Matsumoto's husband, Tom, was another one of the men used. Tom died in 2004. Matsumoto and her family were forced to live in an internment camp during the war. But she says even though her husband was tested as a proxy for the enemy, he was a proud American. He always loved this country. He says, where else can you find this kind of place where you have all this freedom? Congresswoman Barbara Lee is a member of the Congressional Black Caucus and sits on a House subcommittee for Veterans Affairs. We showed Lee some of the documents related to these tests. Let me read you a quote from the Army's report. Quote, it has been suggested that the relative resistance of Negroes may be related to the relatively thick, horny layer of their skin. Now that's an official Army report. That's outrageous. Now to be clear, horny layer is a technical term. It's a layer of skin that everyone has. It's not thicker than African-Americans. And dermatologists NPR spoke with say that statement by the U.S. government is not scientifically sound. We owe those who are still alive and the families, we owe them a, a huge debt, first of all. And I'm not sure how you repay such a debt. Mustard gas reacts with human DNA within seconds of making contact, causing irreversible damage to the cells. Exposure can lead to life-threatening illnesses like skin cancer, leukemia, emphysema, or asthma. 
At 93, Rollins Edwards hasn't faced any of those diseases, but he's had decades of pain and discomfort because of the experiments. His arms and legs are covered with thick scabs the size of pancakes, and he scratches them until they bleed. Your arms bothering you this morning? Yeah. Edwards still lives in Somerville, South Carolina, the town where he grew up. He's been active in a local chapter of Prince Hall Freemasons for years. During outbreaks, he's had to wear gloves so he could shake hands with people. My hands would get so bad I couldn't even wash my hands, and they would actually stink. Little bottles of lotion and aloe are scattered all over the house so his wife Juanita can try to soothe him when the scabs flare up. His skin falls off in flakes that pile up on the floor. For years, he carried around a jar of those flakes to try to convince people of what happened to him. Until now, government officials have never acknowledged these experiments. The first thing to be very clear about is that the Department of Defense does not conduct chemical weapons testing any longer. That's Army Colonel Steve Warren. He's the Pentagon's top spokesman. And he says these experiments are difficult to even fathom today. The idea of conducting racially based experiments is just not something that we would even consider. It doesn't enter the thought process. Colonel Warren struggled to come up with a reason why the U.S. military would have done this. It was a terrible, terrible, terrifying time. I don't know that Americans knew what was next. They saw the Japanese and the Germans encircling the world. Everyone had to do their part, and in many cases, a lot was asked. He says he thinks all Americans struggle with some of the choices made during that time. Caitlin Dickerson, NPR News. By the way, the Department of Veterans Affairs promised more than 20 years ago to provide benefits to veterans injured in mustard gas experiments. And later this week, we will look into the keeping of that promise. This is a bargain we made. And this goes to the essence of can you trust your government? And in this case, I'm afraid the answer is not yet. So... I just wanted to point out that there was actually a picture of the jar he carried around with the skin in it. We're not talking about like a baby food jar or anything. We're talking about a mason jar, three quarters full of his skin. Just big flakes of skin. Are you going to put it up? Um, I'm going to post it later. I don't have it handy. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But, um... People are wondering why people of color and Hispanic people are so weary when it comes to the coronavirus testing and um, Bill Gates saying that since black people and Hispanic people are having such a hard time with the coronavirus, we should receive the vaccine testing first. Things like this is why we don't want to receive the vaccine testing first. Mm. Wow. It's, it just sounds so, um, I, it's incredible. It's horrifically incredible, everything you just said. And then these are documented facts, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's really sad. I knew when we talked about this earlier, that I'm about to be upset tonight. Well, see, my and, thing is, though the dude is admitting what happened, he's still making excuses as to what happened. Some of us had to sacrifice a lot. Well, apparently you didn't because your people were tests. I mean, were the control subjects. Mm-hmm. 
So apparently not all of us had to sacrifice a lot. And what's funny mm. is I've heard people say the same thing about slavery. Not all people sacrificed for slavery. And so I can't even fathom mm. how you think you sacrificed anything. You know, one part that um, I caught on there that really got me was um, the gentleman from uh, Mr. Rollins, I, I think he said his name was from uh, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Why was he only allowed to attend school in the seventh grade? Like that's something I didn't even know about till just now. I think back then, a lot of um, Southern African Americans only attended to like minimum school because they had to get out there and work. They had to go help on the farms. And they had to go help provide help provide for the families because we're talking about what World War One, World War Two, and so the, the part that that got me was I hear what you're saying, but that's not the way they worded it. They worded it as if he was only like it was legal, like he was only allowed to yeah, go to school, to, not like allowed. Now, did you think about it? How do I mean? Maybe that's as high as the black school went back then, because you know he couldn't go to a white school. He couldn't have a white mm. teacher. He had to have a black teacher. I'm sure no black teachers really wanted to be in South Carolina back then. Let's be for real, because you didn't want to be educated college and black in South Carolina. I heard about the. Um the syphilis experiment in Tuskegee. Now, I, my, my parents brought that up to me because that's been known for a long time. But, you know, the, the Asian Americans, the particularly Japanese Americans, uh, Native Americans, and a, a lot of Americans are mixed with Native American of all races mm -hmm. and ethnicities and geographic backgrounds. But um, uh, people of color, uh, especially uh, Hispanic Americans, it seems that if you know, you are not Caucasian. You are catching the short end of the stick in, um, you know, in American history. Uh, it's, it's and it even goes back to pretty self-evident. That's something that needs to be proved. It's, it's, it's a fact. Yeah. I mean, I've got nine more cases. Um, not all of them are race-based, but there's still nine more cases. And some of them seem to be... Oh, you really moved to second? Oh, no, I'm just saying some of them seem to be race-based and geographically based so that it's never directed at Caucasian people just by location. Oh. You okay, so what's what you got next? What's your next uh experiment? The next one is infecting Puerto Rico with cancer. Dr. Cornelius Hi Michelle, how you doing? Dr. Cornelius Sorry. Rhodes oh you're good. Dr. Cornelius Rhodes who graduated from Harvard University with a degree in pathology, had an esteemed career with the United States government. He established mm -hmm. the U.S. Army Biological Warfare Facilities in Panama, Utah, and Maryland so that the government could work on developing chemical weapons. Later, he was named the U.S. Atomic Engine, named to the U.S. Atomic Engineer, I'm sorry, the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission to study the effects of radiation. Now, this one's going to get to you when I get down here. And the sound of gov government-appointed doctors conducting radiation experiments sounds a bit shady. There's a reason why. Before Rhodes wrote 
Before Rhodes rose through the ranks in 1931, he performed a horrible medical test in Puerto Rico in which he intentionally infected people with cancer cells. At least 13 people died as a result of his experiment. What's his name? It is, his last name is Rhodes. His first name is Cornelius, Cornelius Rhodes. Wow. Now what's even more shocking is the confession he wrote about his research, which mimics the horrible work done by Germany, Italy, and Japanese doctors during World War II. The Puerto Ricans are the dirtiest, laziest, most degenerative and thievish race of men who ever to inhabit this sphere. Wow. I'm not finished. I have done my best to further the process of extermination by killing off eight and transplanting cancer and several more. All physicians take delight in the abuse and torture of these unfortunate subjects. Mm. In 1979, the American Association for Cancer Research began issuing the Cornelius Rhodes Prize for Exceptional Research. In 2003, now we're talking about 1979 to 2003, the issuance of that medal was rescinded. Keep in mind, his statement was made, it looked like, when was that statement made? 1931. But they were given out an award in 1979 that they didn't rescind until 2003. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm just taking notes. Um, so my question is this. Um, okay, so now we got um, cancer cells and so I take it that they scientifically proved that you could give someone cancer, and you said this was in the 1930s? His statement was in 1931, so I'm thinking it was before 1931. It said during World War II, I believe. Let me go back. My experiment. Because I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Do you remember... Um, do you remember the death of Bob Marley in history? Yes, and I was going to say- He was said to have from brain cancer, right? And you also remember there was a conspiracy theory that the U.S. was trying to give Cuba, um, Castro, cancer by putting mm -hmm. something in his shoe. But since you couldn't give someone cancer, it was a conspiracy theory. No, if if this man has had medals of of honor given in the name of scientific research in his name, oh, then he then they proven that. that he can give people cancer. Yes, exactly. But you see, wow. what I'm about geographical location. Keep in mind, when we say Puerto Rico, we're not talking about going into another country, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. Territory. Yes. Yes. So this is our own people that have no idea. Well, obviously, Mr. Rain didn't believe that Puerto Ricans were his people. Exactly. Now, we're going to keep going because this one is going to take you out, too, because this one is just on unsuspecting people in New York and unsuspecting men rather in New York City and San Francisco. It's called Operation Midnight Climax. 
Operation Midnight Climax was a CIA experiment designed to test the effects of LSD and other mind-altering drugs as part of its mind control research program. To ensure maximum, the medications needed to be tested on people who were not aware of the drugs being administered. So the CIA recruited prostitutes who were put onto the government payroll. However, they weren't the ones taking the pills. They were luring people to the brothels strategically, strategically located in New York City and San Francisco. The government was operating inside the brothels. When people visited the brothels, the prostitutes took them into the back and coaxed them into taking, being injected with the drugs. Government officials from behind a one-way glass then watched the subjects. In addition to studying the effects of LSD on people who had been coerced into taking it, it the study then became a hallmark for researching things like sexual blackmail and the wrong use of surveillance technology. The program was finally shut down in 1965 when the safe houses that had been cleverly disguised as brothels were exposed. The CIA director later apologized for the experiments on the San Francisco even, Evening News. Yeah, I didn't have anything to say about that one. Oh, hold on a second. I, I have something to say about that. Um, I have an uncle, which I am told um, is a certified genius. Um, he is uh, mentally disabled. I don't know his exact diagnosis. Uh, last I knew, you know, he had, was in um, a mental health care facility. And I used to play with him when I was younger, at least younger than 10. I was Uncle Paul. They called him Buddy. And Buddy, I believe, was a genius. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember hearing a story. I'm not sure which one of my family members told me this, that he crossed the country in, uh, by uh, hiking and um, uh, hitchhiking. Mm -hmm. And he would sleep in the fields, and he literally watched Ku Klux Klan rallies. He was picked up by the CIA and was given LSD and he was never right for the rest of his life in a sane uh, sense of the word right. Um, the stories I heard was that, uh, these, this is alleged, I don't know for fact, that he would put uh, urine in jars and put them in the oven and say that he was attempting to kill the witches. Um, he, I just remember an uncle that was very playful and, and friendly. Um, but these other stories, I don't know, but I heard about the, the experiment, the LSD. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, Buddy said that the, the government picked him up and, and shot him up with stuff. And it kind of goes along with the San Francisco, New York City experiment. And the part that I really like about this whole thing is they admitted it. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is a strange fact that they apologize for doing it. I hear, I was going to say, I hear all these apologies and all these excuses. I don't hear anybody receiving any care. I don't hear anybody receiving any reparations for how they were treated or anything like that. I don't even hear nobody receiving any treatment. You just 40 acres and a mule? Yeah, we're sorry uh, that we screwed you up. Have a good life. Or sorry about that. My yeah. bad. We ain't gonna give you no insurance though, or we're not gonna take care of you. 
Because keep in no, mind. No, no. And the part you said, the first one about the military people, they said that these people, they, they, they said they refused. They refused to help the soldiers whose bodies was feeling like they was lit on fire. Let me go back. Now, these ain't no regular journey like me. This is people that swore an oath to protect this country. So when people take a knee, I think people need to STFU. Yes, and let me get to this. Um, I read a little bit further, but I left this part out. The bill that would help these soldiers get treatment, whichever ones are not dead, was sitting on Trump's desk in 2017. Waiting to be signed. Did he sign it? I'm not sure, but my What's the name is, of the bill? you know the name? No, um... I don't. That's why I couldn't figure out if it had been signed or not. But my thing is, you really well, telling me well, go ahead. that in 2008, y'all said y'all were going to take care of these people, which is hell of a too long than it should have been to take care of these people. And in 2017, y'all still ain't took care of these people? Really? Mm. Really? But people be crying when Kaepernick takes in me. Oh, they don't like that when Kaepernick takes a knee. But I, I think that uh, this is some major BS. And we, this is, we on experiment number three, right? You said you got six more to go? I got 10 altogether. And that's why I said oh. this is part one. Part one might got to be broken up in parts. I don't know yet. So. Okay. Num Take your four. time. Don't, don't brush. Let's be thorough. Okay. Number four is Project artichoke, complete mind control. Okay. The ultimate goal of the CIA's research into mind control techniques was to discover a means of getting someone to do their bidding of another, to do the bidding of another entirely against his or her own will. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute because I know we've all heard conspiracy theories about some of these people out here doing crazy stuff, mass shooters, acted like they were being controlled or were out of their mind and didn't remember what they had done. I'm just going to leave that right there on the table for a minute. Because okay. actually, I'm not even going to leave that on the table yet. Because, and I think I might have talked to you about this, is a lot of times those are men that have, that are on the spectrum, like what was formerly known as Asperger's. They don't have that tight friendships. Like if somebody said, told you that I, I mean, came and told you that I killed 20 people, you could be like, I know Lisa. Lisa didn't do that. Mm -hmm. People with Asperger's, or what was formerly known as Asperger's, now it's like non-pervasive developmental disorder, um, don't have those type friendships. And for some reason, it always seems that they kill their mother that was caring for, their father that was caring for, whoever was in the house. So there's nobody to ask about these people that can go back and say, I know them. They didn't do this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave that right there, and I'm going to continue with this. So, Question. Uh -huh. Question. Hold on, hold on a second. So this Project Artichoke, just to make sure I'm following you, um, this was the government uh, using mind control to get people to kill citizens against their will. It doesn't say exactly kill citizens. It just says they were using mind control techniques to uncover a means of getting someone to do the bidding of another entirely against his or her will. 
Okay. Basically, to All get right. them to do whatever you want them to do. We're going to say it, put it that way. Okay. One of the most diabolical schemes invented as part of um, this research was Project Artichoke, which used means such as forced morphine addiction and withdrawal, hypnosis, complete isolation, and sensory deprivation to try to create amnesia. And we're going to touch on this after we get off here. And thereby inhibit, um, inhibit the person's ability to make decisions on his, of his or her own volition. In other words, they were trying to create their, create their very own Manchurian candidate. I what? just watched that film this past week. I haven't watched it. I now, won't spoil it for you. Okay. I've heard about it. I've read about it, but I haven't watched it. Most of the experiments... Quick question. Uh-huh. Quick question. You said hypnosis... Sensory deprivation, forced morphine, and I missed one. Um, they were forced morphine addiction and withdrawal, hypnosis, complete isolation. Okay. Oh, thank you. Okay. Okay. Most of the experimentation was conducted overseas in places like Europe, the Philippines, Japan, and Southeast Asia. The classified documents revealed that one of the project's goals was to co coerce a citizen to assassinate under the guise of hypnosis whether or not he or she was will a willing participant. One conclude okay, see, that's what I was touching on. One conclusion of the project was that an involuntary assassination probably could not happen because the effects of hypnosis are limited and brainwashing someone is more difficult than one might think. Still, a handwritten note at the end of the project files concluded that the task, presumably of involuntary assassination, would be carried out despite operational limitations. In other words, declassified CIA documents from the Cold War era provided the perfect plot for a Hollywood movie. It sounds like the government been playing like real life episodes of pinky in the brain like they're going to take over the world like this is incredible like it's it's the sad part about it is this is real like i want you to say oh mark this is a conspiracy i, I want stuff like this to be a conspiracy that we're like did they do it didn't they do it no these negroes did this like for real what's crazy like, this you know when i told you i um do the research, I was looking for conspiracy theories. And so I was like, because I know I've heard about MK Ultra and that kind of thing. So I was like, well, let's see what conspiracy. Um, I actually Google. Is that on your list too? I believe so. It might be on the next list, but I think it's on this one. But so I Googled All right. conspiracy theories on experiments conducted by the US government. I wasn't expecting to pull up a okay. whole of things that actually happened. Nobody wants to hear this one for real. This is a show that I'm like, but well, we got to do this. We, we dig it for truth. So it ain't going to be easy. Okay. So we're going to move on to impoverished <sighs> cancer patients were quote unquote treated with high radi levels of radiation. At the height of the Cold mm. War. When okay, the hold on. Uh-huh. Lisa. Lisa. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. 
this is heavy. This is so heavy. This is not a joke. Right. This is this is affecting. Like I'm like, are you? This is so mean. This is beyond. Come me. on, come evil. on. This is evil. Mm. So impoverished cancer patients were quote unquote treated with high levels of radiation at the height of the Cold War when the threat of nuclear fallout was imminent, and there was a question of whether the idea of mutually assured destruction also known as MAD, would prevent the use of nuclear weapons by the Soviets, the government needed to understand how much radiation the human body could sustain. Rather than to travel to another country like Guatemala or Puerto Rico to perform unethical medical experiments, the government decided to use a vulnerable population in the United States, poor African-Americans who have cancer. Dr. Eugene Sanger, who was sponsored by the Pentagon to carry out the experiments at the University of Cincinnati, subjected the patients to whole body radiation equal to 20,000 chest x-rays over the course of one hour. Nevertheless, at the time, whole body radiation was known to have no positive effects on the types of cancer being treated. Many patients died from radiation poisoning rather than cancer. In the 1990s, a new congressional investigation was opened up regarding the experiments. Dr. Sanger and his attorney insisted the research had valid, um, that validity in carrying out cancer treatment. What's the name of this one? You called it cancer what? This was um, impoverished cancer patients were treated with high levels of radiation. Uh, what years was this again? It said it was during the height of the Cold War, I believe. Yes, the height of the Cold War. So that would have been, I think all this was around Late the 80s. Let me just make sure. Cold War. That would be Russia, right? The uh, yeah. 19. Iron Curtain. Oh. Okay, just to make sure we look, the Cold War period was Way 19, off. Um, 1947 to 1991 was the Cold War period. So I'm not sure exactly when the height of the Cold War was, but that was the Cold War period. I was thinking um, 80s um, because there was no date that I could pinpoint. And in the 90s, he was still trying to um, prove that he had a valid. I don't even know what the hell he was trying to do. You said blacks were over radiated in the period of one hour. Radiation was um, 20,000 chest x-rays. In the period of one hour, treated to twenty thousand chest X-rays. Yes. Now, to get a grip on this, when Alex was a baby, he was born with a broken collarbone and a collapsed airway disease known as laryngomalacia. He had to get an X-ray on his collarbone mm -hmm. twice. He had to get chest x-rays three times 
between August and December. They took a break from his chest x-rays because they didn't want to keep giving him repeat chest x-rays. That was what? Five x-rays in four months. And then they gave his body a break from the x-rays. How do you give someone the level of radiation equal to 20,000 x-rays in one hour? I'm assuming, How's that done? I'm assuming there's a way to adjust the level of radiation. On the so anytime, speculate. Hey. I'm speculating now. They do so, a full body X-rays. Okay, so if I go to the doctor, they can adjust the machine and just bow if they want, and I wouldn't know. I'm thinking back then. I'm assuming now that those machines. Well, I guess even if the machines are monitored, somebody has to calibrate them and all that. So you still wouldn't know. Because. I mean, from what I see, the expert technician, because you know I'm in the hospital a lot with the kids, because somebody's always breaking something, lines you up on the thing and goes back there and presses a button. Yeah. So I'm not sure if she has anything to do with, or she or he has anything to do with adjusting how much radiation, but somebody has to. So somebody basically has. we're saying we have no idea when we go to the doctor what's what they're really doing to us. No, and... um. I understand that you have that thing that covers up your extra body parts from the radiation, but you still don't know. You don't know what the hell they're doing. They're just doing what they want to do. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. What you got? MK Ultra is on this list. Oh, Lord. The MK Ultra mind control experiments. Now you know we talk about this one a lot because I keep going back to this one. During okay. the Cold, Cold War, there was a widespread fear in the United States government that co the Communist East was experimenting with mind control techniques on American citizens, particularly those being held as prisoners of war in Vietnam and Korea. The only way to get ahead was to beat them at their own game by achieving mind control first. The logic worked perfectly until you get the actual experiments that were being done on people in the quest of attaining mind control. In 1953, the director of the CIA, Alan Dulles, D-U-L-L-E-S, I'm just saying, I just wanted to make sure we spelled that out because we all from Virginia, approved Project MK Ultra to develop mind control techniques using means such as psychedelic drugs, electroshock therapy, and people with paralysis. Experiments began with the use of LSD and moved on to heroin, magic mushrooms, barbiturates, and other drugs that are now illegal. They occurred mainly on college campuses, possibly because college students would be all too eager to engage in the psychedelic drugs. Many had no idea they were participating in a mind control experiment. One of the subjects in the experiments was Ken Kesey, who went on to write One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The trials finally ended in 1973, and in 1975, President Ford established a committee to investigate illegal activity performed by the CIA. The revelation- oh, Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. So, wait, 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 who formed the committee? It said, let me go back, let me just- <laughs> 
And who did this experiment? This was a CIA experiment or just government? Yeah. President, it's CIA. President Ford established a committee. Okay, so the government is establishing a, a committee to look over the government. Okay. That's like the police, the police policing the police. Yeah. Okay, exactly. okay, I'm sorry. I heard you right. I'm listening. Look, you made me have to go back and look <laughs> myself. I'm listening. I'm listening to you. The revelations of MK Ultra led to an executive order that any experiments involving the use of drugs had to require consent from the in individual person participating in the study. Mm -hmm. So I heard that one went a lot deeper than that. I couldn't find what I was looking for, so I'm not going to speak on it. That's MK Ultra. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've heard about this. You hear about this. This is a yeah. big conspiracy subject, MK Ultra. And it's this is something you would show by itself. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because it's listed as a conspiracy theory. But as you can see, it's not a conspiracy theory because it actually happened. And that's what's ironic is a lot of these things are that are said to be conspiracy theories. That's why I posted that statement week before last. There are no such thing as conspiracy theories, only theories. Because if you look hard enough, you're going to find the proof of them, that they actually happen. Just mm. like UFOs were conspiracy theories. People who saw UFOs were quacks. They were crazy. Then all of a sudden, you got the government releasing all three, well, information on three UFOs. So now, mm. you, they've ruined people's careers. Legitimate scientists who have said this is happening we've seen these things labeled them as crazy but now you won't come out and say oh by the way it's true it wasn't really a what did you say? The, the government released information on three ufos when did this happen this was recently um i heard about that they said it was something on cnn that the government finally admitted to ufos after all these years and what was ironic was um that's what I was looking at doing this um, this week on. Is they think that some of those might be the ones that were seen over Whitesville, Virginia, because they had actually chased some UFOs from Washington D.C. area to, to Florida, which you chased had, the UFO. Yeah, which had covered the um, Southwest Virginia area. They released the video. They released a video in. Was that this year? It looks like it was just this year. I thought it was. So you're telling me that the government, the United States government, made an official statement, because I heard this from somebody just like yesterday. Mm -hmm. Did you hear the government admitted UFOs were real? And I was just like, mm, I didn't even know what to think about that. Okay, I'm going to read so it was real. off of this, only because we're touching on it. This is from CNN. Okay. I have to Google this. I have to Google this. Pentagon officially releases UFO videos. The Pentagon has officially released three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomena that had previously been released by a private company. The videos show what appears to be unidentified flying objects rapidly moving while recorded by infrared cameras. Two of the videos contain service members reacting in awe at how quickly the objects are moving. One voice speculates that it could be a, a drone. The Navy pre previously acknowledged mm -hmm. 
the videos in September of last year, which would have been September 2019. They are officially releasing them now in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more than, oh, I'm sorry, more to the videos, according to the Pentagon spokesperson, Sue Goff. Hmm. How you spell her name? Last name is G-O-U-G-H. Okay, Pentagon spokesperson. First name, Sue. Okay. I want to do a little research after the show on this UFO thing. Uh, and uh, MK Ultra. that is a... Uh, I would like to actually propose a watch party for the MK Ultra because I don't know, like, we can discuss it, but I mean, actually looking at, you know, someone that's actually done the research on it, mm-hmm. like a YouTube video that's fact-based. Oh, I have not, a lot of videos um, on it. It's 11 o'clock. Okay. Um, what's crazy is... It's 11. Um, yeah, that's fine. But um, what's crazy is everything. I mean, just looking at the UFO thing and the U.S. I told you, people call the authorities about UFOs. It's a, it's a hot, uh, weather balloon. The military was doing testing on airplanes, whatnot, whatever. So basically, weather balloon that flies thirty six thousand miles an hour at night <laughs> changes multiple, direction immediately with, and just stops with multiple lights. Weather balloon. We all know what weather balloon looks like, but <laughs> but I mean, it's like you can't believe anything the government's telling. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. So, but you better not take a knee at a football game because that's un-American. Mm-mm. Giving black people syphilis is un-American. But it's okay wow. to take a, a knee on a black man's neck. I'm just going to leave that one right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it right there. The next one is the Guatemalans were deliberately infected with syphilis, gonorrhea, and other STDs. In the 1940s, military service... Uh-huh. They did the same thing to Hispanics? In Guatemala. In Guatemala. Like, we went to Guatemala. Okay. So we left our country and went to somebody else's country. Uh-huh. And then have her there to talk about how dirty people are and how dirty their countries are. Like, we didn't participate in the dirtiness. No, ain't we. It ain't, ain't no we. I didn't go nowhere and hurt oh, nobody. No, I mean, we as in the United States. They... Here's, here's the thing. Uh, I was just talking to you the other day that I read that they were performing hysterectomies on Hispanic women that are being held from uh, immigration uh, yes. with, from ICE on the border. That they were doing this in Georgia. They were taking them to Georgia. They're separating the families. And who knows what ungodly experiments they're doing on these children and women and men while they're in captivity waiting to get sent back to their country. Yes, I told you the woman that was supposed to testify against the ICE officer agents for rape 
and had a court order not to mm-hmm. de- remove her from the country until she had a chance to testify, got deported. Court orders mean nothing apparently. Oh, yeah. This administration. We're in a, an administration. Basically, what you have. People are going to do what they want to do. Basically, what you have is they're, ba- they're basically doing Hispanic people like prisoners of war. So you don't have no idea what's yeah. going on, where they're sending them, what basement hellhole torment experiment they're performing on them. But you can best believe whoever survives that is going to tell it. And I, I want to see that's it. I want to hear what they have to say. That's why they are shipping them out back to where they came from as fast as possible before they can talk to anybody. That's why mm-hmm. when o, um, AOC and the other ladies went down there, that's why they didn't want them talking to them people. That's mm-hmm. why, I mean, because I'm like, how the I, hell are they keeping I just heard an article on them. Yeah, you I'm just the, sent me, you just posted something on the, the Trump bill. Um, oh, it was um, how the people higher up in the administration were saying, we need to take their kids. Why? Because you yeah, know, my yeah, thing is, you have prisons now that let the women spend time with their kids. So why can't these people be housed with their kids? Because they said, and I read this just before the show, they said, we're doing this, and it was Trump and Trump's people. We're doing this, quote, basically, to deter them from coming over here again. So they want to make it as difficult and uncomfortable as possible on them so they never want to come here again. But you know what? So whenever they send them home, they're sending them home with fear. They say, oh, don't go up there. You better just stay here because they're going to go up there and mess you up. But you, you know where, where they're fucking up at is they're not even tracking who kids belong to who. They can't get all these kids mm-hmm. back to their parents. Maybe they're not trying to because you have big pedophilia rings that go on in the upper levels of finance uh, people in the United States. And you don't know, they could be passing them kids around. You don't know what's going on. This is true. Just like some of the people in Texas got, um, I know at least two of the guards got arrested for molesting kids. But you don't see it too much. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to post it to the group when I find it. Because I was like, we don't do background checks on people no more. We just throw them up in there with kids. Or we just don't care. They. Stop saying we. We are not these efforts. They. We, we ain't doing that. We the people, you know, speaking out against it. Don't put me in with them. I, 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 So yeah, Shabazz, what's up, bro? Yeah, they don't care, man. I don't give a damn. So in the 1940s, mi- military service, excuse me, you know they got me all riled up now. <laughs> in the 1940s, military service for young men in Guatemala was all but obligatory. But during that time, the United States government was beginning to do extensive testing on biological warfare and needed test subjects. We're doing a whole lot of damn biological warfare testing for no apparent reason. Mm. I'm gonna leave that there too, because it's starting to seem like we ain't doing no testing. We just doing shit just to be doing shit to people. They became particularly concerned about syphilis, gonorrhea, and other STDs, at least in part because these diseases were costing the military 
a lot of workforces amounting for a total of 7 million work days being taken off every year by soldiers who suffer from them. Given the nature of other bio, um, biomedical experiments performed during this period, one cannot rule out the possibility of wanting to infect foreign militaries with the diseases. The experiments actually began on present inmates who were promised $100 in exchange for being intentionally infected with the STD and then given a prophylactic, which was believed to prevent the disease from developing. I'm assuming that didn't happen, but it proved to be a bust. So the experimenters decided to move to a population that was, in their minds at least, even more expendable than the prisoners, Guatemalans. Mm -hmm. Experimenters began by infecting prostitutes who were then encouraged to have sex with soldiers to see how quickly the disease would spread. They mm -hmm. went on to apply the pathogen directly on the soldier's body and even injected it into their bloodstreams. The experiments mm. came to light. Oh my goodness. The experiments came to light in 2003 when mm -hmm. researchers at West, um, well, Leslie University were trying to study the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, which is going to be below. It turns out some of the researchers from the Guatemalan experiment went on to um, spearhead the Tuskegee one. In 2010, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton formally apologized for what happened, but the damage to so many Guatemalans and their offspring were already done. Because keep in mind, if you don't get some of these diseases treated, you pass them on through your sperm to your kids. And again, we apologizing with no repercussions because your apology don't mean shit right now. No, Lisa, it don't mean nothing. That's just something you say because you used to saying it and you feel obligated to say it. You ain't sorry because you keep doing this stuff over and over again, apparently. I'll tell you this, Lisa. Um, this is an ancient astronaut theory I'm going to bring into this. I'm not sure if the name is correct, but um, when, when the United States went to war, I forgot which one was the first or second world war. Um, they got a hold to the, to the, um, German scientists and they brought a man over. His name was Werner von Braun, I believe. And he was the guy that, uh, invented or, um, spearheaded the rockets that we use today to go out into space. Mm -hmm. So when they brought these German scientists over, you know the only thing that, that, that making missiles wasn't the only thing that they did. You know, these were, were people that was, you know, involved with some serious, hardcore experiments. Right. So I think that, that could be about the same time when a lot of this was popping off and America uh, um, scientists were greatly influenced by German thinking and mentality. And these were the people that was cooking people. Well, you, you know, know so... Let me get down to number 10, since you um, touched on that. Well, actually, number nine. Because number nine is the U.S. grants immunity to war criminal in exchange for his quote-unquote research. <laughs> Dr. Joseph, it looks like Youssef, Mengel, the infamous doctor, quote-unquote doctor, in Nazi Germany, who concluded quote-unquote medical experiments on Jewish the Jewish people at, let me see, you know my screen didn't froze for a second. Auschwitz 
particularly identical twins, tends to get all the credit for medical evils conducted in the tw 20th century. His name should never be whitewashed, but he was far from the only doctor who performed cruel experiments on unwitting subjects. Dr. Shiro Ishii, if I'm saying it correctly, of Japan, who began in 1932 and in, until the end of the World War II, conducted tests in bio, um, if I can talk tonight, excuse me, in biological warfare by performing unnecessary surgeries on people. Mm -hmm. He performed unnecessary surgeries. Okay. Performed unnecessary surgeries on people without the use of anesthesia. Now, I know several people. I'm going to stop there for a second. Who have told me, like, I know for a fact, Alex woke up twice when he had his hernia, hernia surgery. Once in the operating room because he told me about it. And then once while they were reeling him to recovery, because I actually was in the waiting room and saw him pop up and they were telling him to lay back down. Now, knowing that they also think that black people, I mean, to this day have a high, higher tolerance for pain, has me wondering how much of this stuff is actual accidents. Because when Alex had his hernia surgery, how was Alex, like 10? You're trying to tell me you couldn't give a 10-year-old that weighed 60-something pounds enough anesthesia to knock his ass out while you fixed a hernia for the entire procedure that he woke up twice. Mm. I'm just saying. You know, with all of this, it, it definitely is a clue that we need to take responsibility for our health, exercise, stretch, keep our minds right, meditate, pray. Everything in the Hawkman Hulk, said back in the 1980s, a little Hawksters, you better eat your vitamins and say your prayers, eat your vegetables. Like, that's real talk. That's real talk because you end up in these people's hands. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm on my fourth cardiologist, and I told you why. I went to the emergency room in February for chest pains. We don't know why you're having chest pains. Well, damn, my chest hurt. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, we're going to say you got, what did they say I had then? A, what was it? Esophageal hernia is probably what it is. No, you're probably having esophageal spasms. Okay, you know. So what do we do about it? You go back to GI. GI said he wasn't touching me because he don't know where the chest pains are coming from. He's not get, he's like, I'm not putting you under and not knowing where your chest pains are coming from and you have to go under anesthesia. So he was like, hell to the no. Go to cardiology. Go to cardiology. May they do all the tests, the stress tests, all these tests. They tell me everything comes back fine. And Mark can attest because Mark has been is my boy, so he's been hearing about this the entire time. I don't know who we're talking to, but if anybody's over there, I'm, they still don't know why my chest pains is. Still, doctors switching up medicines. We don't know where your chest pain is coming from. I get a different doctor that started at um, the practice in August who tells me, what are they doing about your condition? Well, what condition would that be? The hole in your heart. What hole in my heart? The hole we found in, they found when they did the test in May. Didn't anybody tell you? Ain't nobody told me shit. 
So she's like setting up all these tests and stuff because the type of hole I have, the life expectancy is 50. I'm like, bitch, I just turned 47 last week. You know? <laughs> so then she schedules a TE to do some, to see how big the hole is. So then the follow-up is with a different doctor who tell, is trying to tell me that the hole in my heart wasn't there when they did all the tests in May, but they discovered it during the TE. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We did the TEE because the other doctor told me about the hole in my heart. That's how we got here now. So I'm on my fourth cardiologist and since February. And hopefully on Monday we will find out what's really going on. What yeah, what type of surgery if because they were talking about doing open heart surgery and then I found out for the mm -hmm. hole in the heart. They probably don't even need to do open heart surgery. There's a surgery with a catheter that can go in and fix it. And you could be out of the hospital the next day. Open heart heart surgery, you will be in the hospital 10 days. Mm. Or they might want to treat it with medicine, which I know they're already said they're not trying to put me on any more medicine because I'm on a shitload of medicine as it is. But if it hadn't been for the, this doctor having an emergency and another doctor hadn't been filling in for her, a condition with a life, yeah, a life expectancy for less than three years from now would have not been known. Keep in mind, and when I say that, this is coming from somebody who has had a stroke in the past and has been complaining. I think my first complaint of the chest pains was seven years ago. My stroke was in 2011. Come to find out the hole in the heart, the type of hole I have, can cause the migraines I have been having for, since when, Mark? Forever. The stroke, the high blood pressure that occurred out of nowhere that they couldn't figure out why it was occurring, the chest pains, the shortness of breath that came with the chest pains, all of that. But nobody was going to tell me. So... The experiment. I'm not saying nothing because this. Because you know it's true. I've been telling you the story. Business, you know, yeah. saying, and this is on the air, and I don't want to say anything because me and you talk. So you say how you want to say. I'm gonna be quiet on it because it's, it's your life and your business. But we can talk afterwards. But it's wow when you tell me this stuff. I, at least I'm amazed. I, I'm amazed, and and not in a good way. Like I'm horrified, amazed, like that this stuff even goes on. Yeah, because you know, I've been, you've been going through it and I've been giving you information piece by piece because each doctor, I've been telling you information. And then I'll sit back with you one day. I was like, wait a minute. Now, if this is this mm -hmm. and this is this, then this is this and this is this. So the whole damn problem for everything in the last, I've been having migraines since I was six. They're saying the hole's probably been there since I was born. Mm. So we're oh, talking my 41 years of migraines are all caused by a hole in the heart that could have been fixed at any time had somebody say, guess what? You got a hole in your heart. Because the doctor that, the new doctor said, it's probably, the way from the look of it, it's probably been there since you were born. But now everybody else is trying to cover their ass with that. Uh, we didn't see it in May. We just discovered it in August. No, that's why we had tests in August was because it was there in May. And so y'all just didn't tell me. You know, they scared of getting sued, too. They petrified that you get an attorney. Well, I got one better because I have anesthesia problems. So when they did the TEE in August, 
you're semi-conscious because it's not a whole lot of anesthesia because it's a 15-minute procedure. I can hear them saying my blood pressure was 32 over 10, which for me, my last surgery, they couldn't even find a blood pressure before that. So that's normal for me. That happens with me. I wake up and say, did I hear somebody say my blood pressure was 32 over 10? We think it could have been a loose wire. Mm. Okay. But on my medical record, I think I read it to you and said, vitals were stable the entire time during the procedure. I think Did I you just you. say loose wire? Yeah. And I was like, a loose wire, but nobody fixed it? I want to hear the back meeting in the ho- in the hospital where they come up with these these cute little fuzzy words. Well, what are we going to tell her? Uh, anybody? Oh, I'm Loose gonna, wire. I'm even going to get one better because, look, we already know what's wrong with me now. We already know I ain't going to that doctor no more. So, <laughs> I'm still awake and I hear him saying, there's a hole in her heart. We're probably going to have to fix it. The nurse says, because I'm semi-conscious, says, surgery. Doctor says, yes. So when I wake up, of course, did I hear him say he had to fix it? And she said, uh, she stopped and hesitated. She said, um, he did mention something to me about that. Meanwhile, the doctor's out there talking to my mom because you know I had anesthesia. We're just going to watch it for a little while. But when she wakes up, she's probably going to tell you something different. I told my mom. I'm telling you something different because he said something different. I've already asked the nurse what he said. You know? mm-hmm. I was like, I can tell you exactly what he said because I asked the nurse if that's what was said. And she already confirmed it. Mm. So we're going back to Dr. Mangel, who was considered a pseudoscientist at best, but for some reason the United States wanted to give data um, that Dr. Ishii had gleaned through such horrifying cruelty. He got a pass. Yeah. He got a pass because he was so deep in what he did. He was so good at it. He was like, we got to learn from him. We're going to forgive everything he did and then see what he did. See, now, this makes me wonder, because remember I I was talking to you about the reparations and why the U.S. was paying reparations to Jewish people? 40 acres and a mule. Well, no. Why were were we paying reparations for the Holocaust? Now, see, we pardoning their doctors and bringing their doctors over here. We have all kinds of we talk on we talk out both sides of our necks sometimes. I'm not saying that was the situation, but in order for me to feel that I was somehow financially responsible for this would mean I had to do something that made me feel as if I was complicit. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you back. So what was done by the United States during the Holocaust that made them mm-hmm. feel financially responsible and complicit. Mm-hmm. I want to know when Jewish people got reparations and our people were slaves until 1860 what? And we still ain't got 40 acres in the mule. Like, are you, are you kidding me? 
Mm-hmm. Show you what they think about you. Take that knee, Colin. You take that knee all you want. <laughs> exactly. So. Oh, my God. At the end of World War II, when war criminals were being prosecuted, Dr. Ishii and all of his colleagues were scheduled to face a tribunal. However, Dr. Edwin Hill and General Douglas MacArthur believed that the data on biological warfare was invaluable, especially considering that it could not be gained in the United States because of ethical restrictions. So we decided to go the unethical route, apparently. Dr. Ishii was not only granted immunity for his crimes, but was also allowed to travel to the United States where he continued to carry out experiments on biological weapons. Lisa? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to wrap this one up. We, we went well over an hour. And um, yeah. I don't want to stop your flow. Like, but like you said, this show going to take, this is going to be a two-parter. We ain't got to do it next week, but it might this is deep. We haven't even finished the first list. We yeah, still got like three more might left. take three. Because we haven't Yo. done it. Did we do Tuskegee yet? No, we didn't do Tuskegee. Yeah. We didn't do, let's see. No, no, no. You, oh, no, we talked about it. You did yeah, MK you Ultra. Did. You did the apricot. You did the impoverished uh, people with uh, injected with cancer, and the first one was the um, and you did the exper- uh, the the experiment in uh, San Francisco LSD experiment. Like you did about five or six. Yeah, I did all of them, but two. The so next time we got to do Tuskegee okay. and the people that were injected with radioactive elements. Um. I just want to uh, thank you right now, Lisa, for enlightening me. This has been probably the heaviest show we've ever done. Uh, this is heavier than the KKK show was our first show uh, over a month ago now. And uh, I want to thank um, all of our supporters and watchers. Uh, let me call you guys out by name. The Baz Garrett. Uh, my, my thing won't scroll. There was somebody, uh, Brother Arvell. Uh, Brandy, uh, Ashley Marchant. Um, hey, Ashley, you listening right now? Ashley, my sister-in-law, wants to hear more about that MK Ultra. Ashley, we're going to get to that uh, next week, so make sure you tune in. Uh, and if I can't scroll your name on my phone, my tablet won't let me go back that far. But anybody that was listening, thank you. Thank you for all the people on Anchor. FM for the downloads. Thank you, Lisa, for piecing this show together for us. I've learned a lot. My mind is just like, my, my cup is full right now, Lisa. I can't even, I can't. I'm just, I'm still on the brother that couldn't go to pass the seventh grade, Lisa. Like, I'm just like, woo. If I smoke weed right now, I have to step outside and roll two blunts on this one, like, and have a drink too. So I'm going to have to meditate this one out. But thank you. I just want to really say thank you to our supporters, everyone that's, I'm repeating myself, but I, we are grateful for every single one of you that tune in and listen. Uh, Vicky, I know Vicky was one. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching Get Twisted. This is Lisa and Mark, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Good night, everybody. <laughs>